Here's the big question this show answers. How do we leverage technology and human science to positively impact our personal and professional life? The tech human experience has the answer. Here's your host, Inc. 5000 tech founder, neuroscience junkie, and Navy SEAL wannabe, Javier Guerra. Hello, my fellow tech humans. Today's guest has 17 years of business experience in the tech world, specializing in the synergy between technological innovation and purpose-driven leadership. When not immersed in professional pursuits, he's a committed family man and global citizen, having lived in Europe, Asia Pacific, and the US. Please welcome Pankaj Prasoon. Appreciate your time today, Pankaj. Always great having a conversation with you. Thank you. Looking forward for it, Javier. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about a stat from McKinsey. So according to McKinsey, they say that seventy percent of digital transformations fail to reach their goals. Why do you think so many digital transformations fall short? First of all, thank you so much for this insightful question. And again, data don't lie, right? So. Uh, and coming from McKinsey. So indeed the statistics from McKinsey's highlighting a critical challenge in today's business world, okay? And in my view, one of the primary reasons why so many digital transformation fail short is because of the lack of alignment between the technological advancement and the core purpose of the organization. You know, often you will see company get caught up in the race of to adopt new technologies without fully integrating these tools to the broader vision and the mission of the organization. And in fact, even my book, in my book, Leading with Purpose, I actually empathize, you know, emphasize the significance of purpose-driven leadership, especially, you know, when you look at these technological integrations, because, you know, it's not just about employing technology for efficiency and innovation sake, which is a lot of people talk about when it's a digital transformation, but it's actually leveraging technology as a means to further help organizations achieve its core objective and values. And when leaders align technologies with their organization purpose, they will create a more cohesive, motivated, and resilient team. And this alignment ensures that, you know, these advancements which you're talking about are just not adopted, but they're embraced by the team and which will lead to more sustainable and impactful digital transformation, right? So in essence, what I'm trying to say is the focus on purpose-driven leadership is very pivotal, okay, in bridging the gap between the digital transformation goals and the successful implementation. And, you know, often I'll tell people that, when we look at the symphony of digital transformation, it's the purpose be a guiding melody. You know, it harmonizes how you use technology with your mission to truly transform, you know, impact. Now, I want to give you an example because whatever I spoke, you know, will be backed upon with a true real life example, which is the company where I'm working today, Microsoft. Okay, uh, and it truly successfully demonstrated what purpose-driven leadership is all about under you know Satya's leadership. When Satya took over the CEO in 2014 he didn't just focus on expanding Microsoft technological powerness, right? He steered the company towards a deeper and more integrated purpose. For example, if you look at the vision and the mission statement, it says empowering every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more, which became the company's core purpose. And the vision was just on tagline. It was a deeply integrated into the operations and the strategy of the company. And under his leadership, look what has happened. Microsoft underwent a significant cultural change. We focused on collaboration, innovation, and growth of a purpose. So the Microsoft's recent success in recent year, marked by significant growth in the market value and industry influence, 
it's actually a testimony that effectiveness of purpose-driven leadership in this digital era, right? Why are we heading, leading the market in terms of AI and things like that? Because you've actually looked into from an organization lens and a broader lens. Hence, I often tell people the approach demonstrates how you're going to align your technological advancement with a clear, meaningful purpose and lead to sustainable, impactful growth for your organization. Yeah, it, it's so important. There's so much noise and there's so many options now. You know, if you don't have those guiding principles on on where are you going and why are you going there and everybody in the organization is not aligned, there's going to be a lot more waste. And, and so it's, I couldn't agree more. It's so easy to get caught up in the latest, greatest technologies and newest things coming out. But, but if you're not <clears throat> checking yourself and your own perceptions and, and opinions, based on the organizational strategy and the vision of where you're all headed together, then there can be a lot of, of confusion, ambiguity, wasted time, wasted budget dollars, and just a lot of headaches and disruption that it could cause. So uh, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's so important. Easier said than done, right? But but it's, it's finding that balance, right, between, you know, just everything, all this change coming at us like a fire hose of technological advancements and, you know, managing as a leader, managing what we have to manage in our portfolios, but then being able to really understand that the people in the organization and that alignment is so critical. And if we don't get that right, all of this change and advancement is going to disrupt that and, and be detrimental in a lot of ways. So it's, uh, it's a huge challenge. And, and it's, I was just talking to somebody the, the other day, and I think it was out of SIM, Society for Information Management, and uh, I serve on the board of SIM. And, you know, we were, they were telling me about a new, a new study. They want me to speak on a national level to some of the special interest groups throughout SIM, the, the SIM members. And uh, they were telling me, you know, go look at this new data that just came out. And it's a, it's a study that is saying that the, the biggest issue in technology is still alignment with the business. It's the technology department technology organization being still misaligned with the business. And um, it's something that's so critical. It has to be, it has to be aligned, especially with all the change coming at us. It, it's, uh, it's almost ridiculous how fast it's happening. So let's dive into today's topic, the convergence of tech and purpose in leadership with Pankaj Prasoon. In this episode, we'll discuss how technology can be harnessed to lead with purpose and create a multiplying effect on enterprise missions and vision. So let's talk a little bit about diverse roles in tech. So, you know, you've had very you've had varied roles in the technology industry. Can you talk a little bit about how they've informed your current work? Again, great question. And I think uh, I take pride in my own journey because I started as a soft software programmer, did program management, product management, sales, marketing. Uh, within the tech industry itself, and eventually I'm a product leader at Microsoft. So if I look at my journey through the various roles and geographies in the tech industry, that has profoundly shaped my perspective and approach, and especially it reflects in the work which I do and even in my book, right? For example, I started with Infosys as a software engineer, and I delve into the intricacies of what technology solutions looks like, understanding how they can be tailored to address diverse business challenges. And when I moved to software one, I gained the insight from a global marketplace perspective saying how you can first and see how technology is intersecting with different culture and business environments. 
And now when I'm at Microsoft as a product leader, where I've truly seen the convergence of technologies with the purpose. So living and working across four continents, like you said, actually offered me a unique vantage point where I've observed that while technology is a universal language, it's the application and the impact vary very greatly. And this profounding experience reinforced a Korean's principle saying the necessity of aligning technologies is just not with the business goals, but with the human values and the broader purpose of the organization. And why I'm saying so is because I'll just want to give you an example. When I was at Emphasis, I was part of a project that spanned across three continents. And the experience was eye opening as it highlighted the diverse ways in which different cultures approach technology and businesses. Okay. And I remember we were doing a global rollout and one of the countries was Japan. Okay. Uh, I remember one instance where, you know, seemingly straightforward solution for our team in Europe was completely reimagined to suit our you know clients in the asia because you know we wanted to emphasize on the need of adaptability cultural sensitivity and things like that so this project not only broadened my technical expertise right from profound but deeply you know helped me understand the intricacies and relationship between technology culture and effective leadership right and that's one of the core themes which I always tell people that true leadership will transcend between boundaries, borders, cultural barriers. Okay. It's about understanding and harnessing the diversity of human experiences and thought. And with this global perspective is actually needed in tech industries because, you know, where often, you know, we are in the forefront of innovation and change. And hence, we have to value the human side of the aspect. Yeah. So, you know, it makes me think about a conversation I had just yesterday. I won't won't name any names, but somebody was telling me that there was there was a leader that was saying that we really need to kind of not eliminate, but kind of get the people almost out of the way, right, of the technology. Um, you know, and it, my my belief, and there's a lot of research on this, is what I told the gentleman was I I believe that what they're, they're not necessarily saying that they want to get the people out of the way. What they're, what they're really saying is they're looking to mitigate the risk that comes from human behavior, right? Because if you look at any problem, the lowest common denominator is people, right? And, and so technology is not advanced enough. And we are, we are dictating what technologies get put into place. And, and, and so we really need human-enabled technologies. So we can't just remove the human out of the equation, Right. But there's a lot of risk coming from the humans. And we need to think about that proactively as we're making these decisions and moving forward into the future. Right. With all this change. It, so um, I just thought it was it was interesting. It just made me think about that. I just had this conversation yesterday. You know, as far as transitioning, you know, your experience transitioning between different roles, how has that influenced your approach to problem solving and, and innovation? Again, very, very deep rooted question. Okay. And, and in fact, I would say transitioning between different roles where I was a software engineer to begin with, very passionate about going and programming. Uh, I'm still still programmer, but, uh, you know, to becoming a product leader uh, with experiences in, like I said, product management, program management, sales, marketing, and even leading a business unit, right? Uh, it only enriched my approach towards problem solving and innovation. And why I'm saying so, because when I started as a software engineer, the focus was truly on the technical solution and coding. It gave me the foundation to understand the nuts and bolts of the technology. Okay. And as I moved from program to product management, it actually broadened my perspective to seeing the big picture, how individual pieces of technology could fit into larger systems to meet the needs of the user. Okay. 
And when I looked at sales and marketing roles, they added another dimension, which is teaching me the importance of understanding customer experiences, perspective and market demands. So it honed my skills in communication and empathy, allowing me to see, you know, what technical aspects won't let me see and appreciate the emotional psychological factors which drive the technological adoption. Because, you know, as you know, not all great products are being adopted by people, right? Because, you know, you miss that emotional and psychological factor uh, into that product. And, you know, again, when I became a business unit owner and a product leader at Microsoft now, I learned to balance the various aspects of technical, commercial and human aspect to drive innovation. Okay. So necessarily this journey has taught me the true innovation lies not just in creating something new, but in deeply understanding and solving the end user needs and pain points. It's about seeing the interconnectedness of systems and leveraging the holistic uh, approach, right? So in a sense, what I want to say is that my varied roles taught me how to think horizontally and vertically as well, understanding the depth of technology while appreciating the broader spectrum of its impact on business and society and human as in general, right? And leadership and innovation are just not about expertise in one area but about integrating diverse perspective and skills for a greater purpose, right? So that's what I, I learned from my uh, my roles at different places. Yeah, I couldn't agree, agree more. And that's where the 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 power of triangulation comes in, right? And, and you know, me being on the board of, of uh, a leadership or technology leadership nonprofit that's the largest in the nation, that's really the power of these types of organizations is because these leaders can go in and they can network with peers to really solve problems and get those varying perspectives, you know, across different cultural backgrounds, industries, you know, different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And so it's extremely powerful. And, and you know, we can't really, we can't do it all ourselves, right? Especially with the increase in business demands, it's, you know, budgets are being cut right now because of economic uncertainty. And, you know, for a leader to think that they can manage all of it on their own, Right. It, it's it, it's almost insanity because it's there's so much change and there's so much that they're having to deal with. It, it, it's uh, it helps to have that diversity of thought, you know, and have those uh, those viewpoints for sure. So let's move. Let's talk a little bit about cloud computing in, in your view. You know, where does the real value of cloud computing lie for business today? Again, great question. Uh, and, and, you know, I've often gone back, uh, you know, in last five, 10 years and told people the true value of the cloud doesn't lie on the cloud. It lies above the cloud. Okay. Because often people look at cloud as a computing and, you know, uh, perspective, but I think it's the services like uh, AI, machine learning, you know, blockchain analytics and things like that, which is fueling that innovation. Okay. So if you have to see the real true value of cloud computing in business, it transcends technical capabilities, which is the, technical stack right but it lies how you can democratize innovation and when i'm saying so is that because cloud computing has creating a created a level playing field for people because i advise startups also right so it is enabling business of all the sizes to access cutting edge technologies and infrastructure that once we thought was only available for large corporations for example you know consider a small startup which is specializing in ai driven healthcare solution when you look at pre cloud era the, the barrier to entry for such a company was so immersive, so requiring substantial upfront capital, right? Data, storage, computing power, AI algorithms, LLMs. But with cloud computing, this startup can now access the same powerful computing resources, which a Microsoft or a Google or an Apple has access to. And they are paying for what they're using 
and the scale effortlessly as it goes right so this accessibility i would say will foster an environment where innovation is not bound by the size of the company or its resources but only by the creativity and skills of its team right and hence i use this word that we need to democratize the effect of cloud and look at it as a game changer event okay in the technological space because it's not just about cost saving and efficiencies which is what people were talking about but it's about opening up a complete new world of possibility for all businesses allowing them to innovate faster adapt to changing business standards and business models providing a comprehensive set of enterprise security standards experiment and compete at levels that were previously out of reach and this is where the true transformative power of the cloud is going to come yeah i i i, I totally agree with that so what came up for me just when you were talking was you know i i mentioned human enabled technologies but as humans because the business landscape and the, the economic landscape and the technical landscape is moving so fast we a lot of the times get very bogged down in a lot of minutia and change and and inefficiencies there's a lot of waste going on right now from a human perspective from a team perspective and you know what i've really been able to do myself is to is to start to look at as things like gbt came out and and you know we've built our own gbt instance in azure microsoft azure and so that it's more secure and I don't have to worry about feeding this, you know, public model information. I can, can secure it in my environment, but I've been able to leverage these technologies to do things much faster, much more efficient, and in a sense, download some of my thought processes and, and strategic insights into how we go about doing things, bake it into that system, train that model, and then get some of my team to help take on some of those tasks that I could not delegate before. So now I can take a step back and look at the bigger picture and I can, and I'm starting to uh, incorporate and, and transform, in, not transform, but improve the value that we're bringing to our end clients and better understand them and digest that data better and, and being able to, to make a bigger impact, you know, and bring more value to my customers. And because it's the, end, the end client is what is everything about, right? The world revolves around service. And, and so if we think about it that way of like, how can we be more powerful as humans? How can we leverage this to bring better value to our stakeholders, to our end clients? Then we move the organization forward, you know, and not maybe not get so caught up in just these cool, shiny, you know, awesome technologies that are, that we're starting to implement. So how do you, you know, along these lines of, of cloud computing, how do you advise businesses to really adapt their strategies to fully leverage cloud? Again, very deep rooted question. Okay, uh, and, and I'll answer from my own experiences and advising Fortune 500 companies that stop looking at cloud just as, as a tool. Okay, but integrate it into your strategic approach to reap its full benefit. And what I'm trying to say is that I advise businesses on leveraging cloud for full potential. Okay, and it is a multifaceted approach. And I'm going to give you eight points. Okay, number one, access and align with your business goals. Okay evaluate how cloud computing is going to align with your own business objectives identify where you know these services are going to add value whether it's enhancing customer experience improving operational efficiency or fostering innovation for example your example where you you created your own gpt because you wanted to you know protect data and things like that right so you're aligning to the business goals the second 
embrace a cloud first mindset and just not talk about it really do it right so you need to drive that cultural shift within the organization to adopt a cloud mindset okay which is that doesn't mean that i'm going to move all part of my businesses to cloud no rather i'm going to consider cloud as my primary option when evaluating my it needs okay so it's not that hey look let's go to that race of you know moving all of our 100000 servers and move it to cloud no absolutely not third is you know focus on scalability and flexibility but, and that's the advantage of cloud computing right because businesses should leverage this to scale up and down based on demand okay ensuring that you're not over investing because it's very capex driven and you're not and you're not investing on unused resources okay fourth which is like you also said prioritize security and compliances because you're moving to cloud it is essential to ensure that the data security regulatory compromise uh, you know regulatory compliances are not compromised okay so as a business we need to invest in security standards measures and understand the the compliances needed for our industry fifth so powerful yet you know forgotten by people invest in your employee training and development because as you are going to adopt to the new cloud technologies it's vital to ensure your team is equipped enough and to use them effectively what's the point in driving a ferrari on donut right so you have to give investment in training skills to upskill your you know workforce educate them on cloud literacy and you know other aspects sixth is which i often forget a lot of people oh, i am the cloud i've done it no you have to optimize and innovate continuously cloud is like an open tap market okay if you leave it open you're going to pump in more money than you ever thought through so it's not a one time investment but it's an ongoing process okay so you have to regularly review and optimize your infrastructure performance and cost effectiveness and you know what stay open to innovation because you know that's the ability which cloud is able to provide you okay seventh is you leverage data analytics utilize cloud's power to you know get you data from your operations customer behavior market trends and this can inform you to take you know decisions and you know do strategic planning around it. a lot of people you know will just say i'm going to create a data lake yeah absolutely yeah i'm going to just bump in all the data but what's the point if you can't take an insight out of it and act on it right so it's important to create a data strategy but also look at the insights and act on it number 8 super important a lot of people you know forget to do that is partner with the right cloud provider okay so you choose a cloud provider that aligns to your business needs and will offer you the right balances in terms of services support and scalability and also aligns to your mission and vision of the organization who believe in the same principle and philosophy because a good provider should not offer you technologies but also should be the guiding force for you in terms of adopting it and providing that necessary expertise so i think i'll i'll sum up into these eight points for anybody who's looking for yeah i love that i i love how you broke it down like that you know into your last number 8 it's so so crucial that you know all of these organizations that are listening to this right now they're all partnering with a lot of partners we partner with partners right and, and so but our goal is like we tell these partners if we're working with them these are our core values that we live and breathe by and if if we don't believe that you're in alignment with these core values number 1 is building trust it, if you're like if we're not we don't have that trust there we're we're not going to think twice we're going to stop doing business with you right so we need to be transparent nobody's perfect right if you made a mistake own up to it and let's let's work it out together but if we can't trust you and you, and it our 
you know, degree of level of service that we, we need and we how we want to partner that level of quality, if it's not important to you, then we're not going to continue to do business. And we're actually leaving a partner right now that we've done business with for many years that, you know, we've been trying to solve some of the hiccups, but that they just keep violating the trust and it's to them, it's no big deal. So we are leaving them to another provider because we need to be able to trust them. Right. And there's a lot of distrust and a lot of smoke and mirrors in our industry through a lot of organizations. And it's so crucial because it will save you so much time and energy. Um, but it, you know, I just thought about that and, and it's, uh, it, it's, you know, you struck a nerve when you said that. So I had to share. <laughs> Uh, and you mentioned you mentioned AI. Everybody's talking about AI right now. Can you discuss some you know real world problems that you believe AI has the potential to solve? Absolutely, and you know again, Xavier. I mean, if you're talking about technology innovations, how can we not speak about AI? Uh, because every third article which you read is all talking about AI. And I think uh, you know one of the things which I firmly believe, apart from solving the productivity and you know the content and whatnot. I think one real world problem where AI holds immense potential is in combating climate change. And it is arguably one of the most pressing issues of our time. Okay. For example, climate change has multifaceted threat to our planet, impacting everything from a global ecosystem to health to economic stability. And AI with its ability to process vast amount of data and identify patterns beyond our own capability. Okay. We, it's going to be pivotal in this fight. For example, AI can revolutionize our approach to renewable energy management by accurately predicting how we are going to consume energy, how we are optimizing our distribution of energy receivables like wind and solar. AI can significantly help us increase uh, efficiency, reduce waste, lower our reliance on fossil fuels. And additionally, these tech, you know, AI tech can monitor, analyze environmental data from satellites, sensors. It'll offer critical insights into changing ecosystems, okay? tracking defrostation, even predicting natural disasters with greater accuracy and thereby enabling us to be more effective in our responses. So I'll say I emphasize the critical role again on, on a purpose driven leadership in leveraging these technologies for greater good. Okay, uh, because this is where the ethical AI comes into play, right? It's not about harnessing AI for economic gains. It's about channelizing this incredible tool towards addressing some of the most significant challenges humanity has ever faced, right? So my appeal to leaders in technology, government and industry is that you need to collaborate. You need to drive a shared purpose of creating a sustainable future for our planet if we want our kids to see what we have seen, right? So I want to give a call to action, you know, before I end this, I think we need to integrate AI into our environmental strategies. It must be done with a very purpose driven approach, right? Because AI's immense full power on climate change can make strides in protecting our planet for our future generations. And it's an opportunity for leaders across sectors to unite, innovate responsibly, and lead with a vision that expands beyond profit, okay, towards a sustainable and a prosperous future for all of us. So important. And, you know, again, you struck a nerve, right? You know, I view, how can I word this? So there's obviously companies need to be profitable, right? But to what extent and to what end? Right. Or by what means are you increasing your profits? And and, you know, I view money as a tool. And, you know, I've said that, you know, I I can leverage money. I can leverage great people, um, teamwork, and I can leverage technology 
to accomplish a mission, right? And, and that can accelerate the power and accelerate the success and how quickly we achieve that mission. But if you're stepping all over the people or doing things that are unethical with the technology or not caring about anything else but the money, like what, what wasteland are you laying in the path of your success, right? And, and can hand you sleep at night and what, you know, is it worth it, right? At the end of the day, um, you know, are you going to regret, regret, we're all going to die at some point, leave this body. Are you going to be on your deathbed regretting what you contributed to, right? Uh, in, in the future. And so it's just things to think about. And uh, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of people that don't take that time to really reflect on those things. So it's so important because I say this all the time, this technology and these advancements can amplify the good within the people or it can amplify the bad within the people. It's going to amplify something. It's our choice to direct it on, on amplifying the good. So in, in a long-term perspective, I think this is a great lead into, you know, looking at a long-term vision. We're, we're obviously in a fast-paced world, right? In your opinion, and from your experience and what you understand and what you've learned in your career, how can leaders encourage more long-term thinking and impacts? This can't be happening. In fact, uh, an hour back, I was speaking to my team member and I said, look, we are here for a long-term haul, not for a short-term. Uh, you know, and especially when you said today's fast-paced world, you know, where I often encourage people and leaders even to be very crucial in long-term thinking, but challenging enough okay in the sense and i also touched this in my book saying that true leadership lies in balancing the immediate achievements with a forward-looking approach uh, where you know you're going to integrate strategies like compelling vision promoting a culture of innovation leading by example but here are a few things which again i want to narrate for you and for the listeners is that will foster this mindset for you that how do you encourage long-term thinking number one is establish a clear and compelling vision so as a leader I need to articulate a very clear and compelling long-term vision for my people, for my organization. And this vision needs to be inspiring. It needs to align with core values, like you mentioned, of your organizations and needs to provide a very roadmap for the future. It's not about, hey, look, I'm going to set a goal, but about painting a picture of what success looks like in the longer run. Not, absolutely not. Second is that you need to create a culture of long-term thinking. For example, you need to sit down and encourage a culture where long-term planning is valued as much as short-term achievements. And this can be done through regular strategic planning sessions, discuss about your work, future trends, challenges, and you encourage your team members to do that often. Third, balance short-term wins with long-term goals, okay? So while focusing on long-term wins, it's also important to celebrate short-term wins, right? Um, and these wins will keep you motivated and encourage and will propel you towards always aligning toward a larger vision and not detract you from a longer term objective. Number four would be invest in continuous learning and innovation. You know, long term is often linked with innovation and leader who foster an environment where learning and experimentations are, are encouraged and failure is just seen as a step towards future success. They will see that organization propelling much faster. Number five is lead by example. Okay. You cannot preach and you know, you need to, you need to, your words needs to show in your action. So leader needs to model that long-term thinking in their decision-making and strategic planning. And when you are prioritizing long-term benefit over short-term, your action and decision sets a precedent in the organization. Okay. 
Number six, which I've learned the hard way of working in 52 countries is you need to encourage diverse perspectives. And you know, this perspectives will help you understand different aspects of challenges, cultural sensitivity, opportunities that may future may hold upon us, right? So encourage your team members from various backgrounds, whether it's liberal arts or anything else, right? To come and contribute to ideas so that you can create a very comprehensive long-term strategy. Number seven would be scenario planning. Oh, don't get stuck saying, oh, this is my path. No, absolutely not. So encourage people saying, hey, look, go and do scenario planning and anticipate future trends and challenges. Often I've told people as product leaders, we have to read what is not written in the book. So find those, those, those moves and things like that, because this exercise will not only prepare you, the organization for different possibilities, but will also help you to re-strategize and you know, align to future opportunities at risk. And number eight is implement long-term incentives. Align your incentives and reward systems with long-term goals and performance metrics. This will ensure that you know, you're setting a culture where team efforts are constantly directed towards long-term objectives. So when you adopt all these strategies, leaders will create an environment which will not only respond to immediate demands of the marketplace, but will also prepare you for future challenges and opportunities. And again, Javier, I've touched upon all of these in my book, which is around page 344, which I've summarized it, that how as a leader you would forward looking, be looking at a long-term uh, strategic viewpoint. Yeah, I, I love that. Again, I like number eight, it, it jumped out at me, but 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 just leading by example is so huge, right? And that's something I'm I'm focusing on right now is I am, I've made a decision even within the past couple of weeks that I'm going to I'm going to start being more tactical and kind of start doing what I've been saying, how we need to evolve and adjust as an organization. And so I'm jumping into the day to day and starting to show how I do it and then bake it into the training because it's so important to lead by example. But you also mentioned um, uh, what was number eight? I just drew a blank. Long term incentives. So people care about what they care care about humans are inherently by nature selfish we want what we want and if we can tie those long-term incentives to what the people want right that's going to be a win-win right because if they're a valuable part of your team and you're incentivizing them and lighting a fire under them by setting that objective and you know having that reward at the end of the long-term objective then you know, you're just going to help them. You're going to help yourself. You're going to help the team as a whole. So it's so important to to lead with what your people care about versus what you think they care about and really understanding that. So important. Can you do you have an example, a quick example you could share? Maybe, you know, where long term vision was crucial and something you experienced? Oh, certainly. I'm going to keep it brief and short, uh, you know, uh, and in my career, an example which stood out was uh, you know, a few years back, uh, I was part of a team and we were asked to, or rather tasked, I would say not asked, but tasked to actually develop a new software product. And initially the focus was on how can we rat rapidly develop this to keep the pace with competitor. You know, but I've always said that you need to have a very strategic differentiation, not fall in the trap of, you know, chasing your competition, but providing something which is going to be, you know, meaningful to your vision and mission. So I advocated for a more forward looking approach instead of rushing into the market. We invested time in going back and understanding what the emerging market trends and future customer needs were. And this actually led us to integrate advanced AI capability into our product, a decision that I'll tell you required additional time to develop, but it was aligning to our future long-term vision, you know, staying ahead 
of the car and i can tell you this after the launch the active users daily and monthly have just skyrocketed high because we just not only caught up with our competition but we filled a gap during the you know ma what market was looking for so this result of the product did not just fit the current demands but also looked at the future investment right and it is now foundational tool for our customers uh, significantly it is outperforming what our initial projections were right and this experience often you know like you said actually underscored my belief again that you know long term vision when you effectively integrate into product development it will lead to sustainable success and market leadership okay because you need to highlight how visionary thinking can transform challenges into opportunity for future growth so yeah so i'm i i'm all in for people to look long term rather than taking short term shortcuts to you know achieve something okay so we're coming up on time here so let me let me kind of get into some closing questions pankaj in your opinion what technology does the world need that doesn't exist yet so even i'm going to build upon what i said before on the ai and you know obviously the the human side of the aspect so in my view uh, the world currently is in dire need of a technology that i would call global empathy ai uh, and this would be an advanced ai system designed for non profit or convenience okay but to foster empathy and understanding across cultural political and social divides so think of this as you know imagine an ai that can accurately translate just not languages but also contextualize cultural nuances emotions and intention behind these communications okay it would help us bridge gaps in global discourse enhancing understanding and reducing conflicts which are arising from misinterpretation and biases so this ai won't just be a tool for international diplomats or global businesses but it should be accessible for everyone enabling individuals from different part of the world to connect on a deeper level it could use the vast experience of data available on cultural practices human behaviors social norms psychological metrics uh, and and languages to help understand each other better and promoting a global empathy and cooperation and you know what the creation of such technology would be a pivotal shift on how we consume and use ai so instead of solely focusing on efficiency and growth we would be harnessing the power of technology to address one of the humanity's oldest challenges which is understanding and empathizing the other so and i want to end this with with a quote which i've used in my book as well that in the symphony of human progress right technology should be the instrument that tunes our differences into harmonies turning discord into a melody of shared human experiences and this i believe my friend is the technology we truly need one that doesn't disconnect it just it connects us but also unites us in our diversity so that's the technology i'm hoping for that we're going to develop in in coming months and quarters and years yeah that's interesting so that that we we probably should have an episode just around that right there uh because there's i you know i'm there's so many dynamics coming up around that conversation uh in a, in a positive light but also of like making sure that you know when something like this is built that we're thinking about the negative implications that it could have or the safeguards that can be put in place depending on what level of evolution or advancement this type of technology is right like as long as we can still kind of control it and you know shut it off 
right? Um, then, you know, it, it's it's easier that way. But if it, you know, if for some reason this, you know, becomes AGI and, and just lives out there on Skynet somewhere, you know, that could, uh, that could be a little bit stickier of a situation. But uh, would love to continue that conversation at some point in the future. So Pankaj, thanks for joining us today and sharing your insights. You know, before we go, um, we're obviously both passionate about leadership excellence and continuous improvement into the future. Can you talk a little bit about how you help technology leaders and organizations? Uh, so to me, right, transforming leadership is about getting good to great, okay? And it's, it's a journey and evolution for continuous growth and introspection and adoption, right? So it evolves around, you know, beyond traditional leadership style and paradigms to embrace more holistically what the purpose-driven approach is all about. So I often tell people that, you know, this is what my compilation of what a purposeful driven leadership looks like. It talks about it, but I think what I've also done in last few weeks uh, with startups and, and, and mid-sized organization is, is do a training session or, or, you know, walking through with leaders to educate them how you can drive in this transformative journey. Either, you know, how do you embrace a visionary mindset, right? Because you have to look beyond horizon. You have to be clear, inspiring, aligning it. How do you cultivate emotional intelligence? You will find incredible people with incredible IQ. But you know what differentiates managers with leaders and great phenomenal leaders is their ability to have that higher level of EQ, to empathize with others, and, you know, uh, to create a self-awareness, interpersonal skills, and things like that. Third around, how do you create a culture of continuous innovation and learning? You know, great leadership is around creating that ecosystem, that environment. To your point. I'm going to only work with not a vendor. I'm going to work with a partner. And to me, partner is like a journey. It's like a marriage. We need to have the same vision, core values, same beliefs to, you know, walk, walk the journey together. And, you know, at the end of the day, how do you lead with purpose and integrity, right? What are the constitutes which allows you and more above or not, uh, you know, how do you adapt when you get into a change or you face a change? How do you empower others? Because great leaders are just not achievers, but they are phenomenal enablers. And you know, you can go back to the history books and go and see. They will empower their teams. They will foster a sense of ownership and accountability. And you know, this includes obviously techniques like delegation, mentorship, team environment, and things like that. But last but not least, which I'll tell you, most of the people will forget, all of this is great. But my friend, we have to measure and reflect. Because if you want to transition from good to great, it requires self-introspection, self-reflection, and measure your own progress. So the training and, and the coaching which I'm talking about to leaders, to organization, basically constitutes of all of the dimension. You can pick any and you know start from there because it, it's, it's not a journey where you have to start with one and then go in a sequence manner. No, these are skills which you need to develop and you know foster. And the very first thing which I tell people is, do you know your values? And I'll tell you, most of the people will tend to you know, give you a very subjective and you know, without data science. So I mean, I have a tool which lets you identify your five values. Your five values helps you, but they're also detrimental in your own journey. So I also coach them that how having a growth mindset can often lead you to do something else or how being you know, passionate or you know, being growth driven or inclusiveness can be detrimental right? and how do you work through those and things like that. So, so that's what I'm doing with organizations and leaders today now. That's awesome. It, 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 you know, we, we see so eye to eye on so many levels. It's, it's almost scary, but you know, I'm really looking forward to continuing the conversations. 
And listeners, you know, be sure to check out Pankaj's work and follow him on social media. Website links and social handles will be in the show description. And you know, finally, one last thing, one last request, Pankaj, before before we end today. You know, from our conversation today, what is one piece of actionable advice that you want the audience to walk away with? I think I'll, I'll start with the word called as embrace purposeful adaptability. Okay, and in a world where technologies and human needs constant evolution, because we are also evolving, right? The ability for us to adopt is very crucial. However, this adaptability should be anchored with a clear sense of purpose. Whether you are leading a team, you are managing a project, you are developing a new product. you constantly ask yourself how your actions align with the broader purpose of organizations and the values you stand for so start by identifying your own personal and organizational why the core reason behind what you do let this understanding then guide you to your decisions and strategies because in the landscape filled with noise a strong sense of purpose is what will act as a true north star for you to keep you focused and resilient in the face of change so i want to end this with you know remember in the pursuit of so called adaptability which i spoke about just don't react to changes just because ai is here is going to take my jobs away no proactively seek opportunities to innovate grow within the context of your own purpose and as i often say when you in the dance of change let purpose be the lead to your steps so if you follow this approach you will ensure that your adaptability not only responds to present but also shapes the more fulfilling and impactful future for you for people around you as well as the organization listeners don't forget to help your fellow tech humans share this podcast and follow me on linkedin at javier guerra 360 see you next time on the tech human experience the tech human experience 